On today's episode of Double Down Trent, Aaron and I are recapping the New York Giants draft. I need a therapist, so we're introducing a new segment called Help Me, Dr. Melfi. I don't understand what the Giants were doing, so I'm going to recap my thoughts on the Giants taking Daniel Jones at number six, whether I trust Dave Gettleman to even sell me anything anymore, and how we're going to rebuild and look forward to the future here. And then we're also ending the episode here with a little bit of Kentucky Derby, the fastest two minutes in sports. So stick around for episode 29 of Double Down Trent. Double down Trent, you might want to tune in Talking gambling and sports, predicting who might win Pop culture to movies, let's start up the combo Ryan and Aaron, man versus the motto Keep it authentic and it's always live So competitive, so you know it's always hype Make sure you subscribe, trust you don't want to miss Going all in here on Double Down Trent Hey, yeah, Double Down Trent, let's go This is Double Down Trent with the sixth pick in the 2019 NFL Draft, the New York Giants select Daniel Jones, oh, quarterback. Okay. Duke. No! Why would you do that? You're so fucking stupid! Gentlemen, what are you doing? What are you doing? You have Dwayne Haskins there. You have Josh Allen. Josh Allen's going to be in a gold jacket. No! All right, welcome to episode 29 of Double Down Shrimp, the podcast where two elementary school buddies are talking sports, gambling, and pop culture. My name is Ryan. I am your co-host. And once again, I am joined by my buddy Aaron. Air, you're back from vacation. Did you happen to see what happened in the NFL draft? Uh, I'm rejuvenated and I am ready to talk New York, New York Giant football. Yeah. Yeah, so as the resident New York Giants fan, it was a rough, rough, rough couple of days. It is now about four days after the draft, at least the first round, went down. I'm still not recovered, so what I'm going to ask for you, my friend, is we need a therapy session. I need it. We're going to call this a new segment called Help Me, Dr. Melfi. And. I know you're still licking your wounds, but you need to talk to me a little bit about who Dr. Melfi is, because I don't really know. I'm not. I'm not hip. So Dr. Melfi is one of the main characters in The Sopranos. She is Tony's th- uh, therapist that he has to go to, but because he's a mafia guy, you know, he's not supposed to be talking, sharing secrets, so it causes some problems. But Melfi is the therapist in The Sopranos, so we need Dr. Melfi to help me off this ledge of the New York Giants because I don't know. Uh, it just, it was mind blowing to me, and I cannot remember being that angry and upset with a uh, sports team outing uh, event, anything in recent memory. You know, I, I will admit, I haven't heard you this emotional about a sporting event, and we are days after it happened. So I'm 100% here to be your therapist. Days. I mean, I had rage going through my, my, my entire body. I still can't even comprehend what happened. So. I don't even know where to begin. You're, you're the doctor. You're my doctor. Talk me through this, pal. Well, here we go. So we're going to do a quick therapy session. We're going to talk through the Giants. And then after the therapy session, we're going to switch gears and talk a little horse racing. The Kentucky Derby is coming up on this Saturday. So we're each going to pick a horse. We're each going to show our lack of horse knowledge. And we'll see how we do. So are you right. ready for the therapy session first? Talk to me, doc. Mr. Soprano? <clears throat> yeah. Have a seat. Okay. So Ryan, tell me. What's on your mind? Listen, 
Dave Gettleman needs to be fired. He needs to be strung up outside of MetLife Stadium for everyone to see. He needs to be gone. I'm going to go full on Robert De Niro in The Untouchables. I want him dead. I want his family dead. Okay, that's an extreme measure. That's not true. I don't want that to happen. However, he should be fired. The guy needs to go. He has clearly and systematically dismantled this franchise over the past two years that he's been the general manager to the point at which there is no direction of this team at all whatsoever. Dave needs to go. Okay, so two things. So one, what I have heard is that Gettleman was actually not even hired until after the 2018 uh, NFL draft. So he's actually hasn't even been there two years. No, incorrect. He was there uh, last year's draft. So he uh, he was there when the Giants uh, picked Saquon Barkley. So last year, he took a lot of heat for picking Saquon Barkley, which at the time, I loved. And let me set the record straight. Saquon Barkley is a freak of nature. If he continues the way he uh, played last year and stays healthy, he is very likely going to be a Hall of Fame player. However, the Giants passed on a number of quarterbacks last year, a number of quarterbacks who were graded much higher than the quarterbacks coming out of this draft minus maybe Kyler Murray. Okay. So let me caveat my statement then. So then the article I read talked about how he may not have been hired by the giants prior to the draft that he could actually vet all the quarterbacks in person. So therefore that was one of the reasons why they ended up going running back instead of quarterback. That is correct. And that is what he says. Now I don't buy that for a hot fucking second because (laughs) when you're a general manager, you have scouts, you have personnel, you have team uh, of people who, whose job it is to scout every player and report back to you and you make those decisions. So if he's saying he didn't have enough time to scout every quarterback, then how the fuck do you have enough time to scout every player that they drafted? So I'm not buying that one, Dave. I think that's a, a, a ton of hot shit coming out of his mouth, which is going to get to something I'll, I'll hit on later, is that I don't believe a word coming out of Dave Gettleman's mouth no matter what he's saying, when he's saying it, or how he's saying it, because everything he said has been full of shit. Okay, well, let's let's start by talking about the recent stuff. So talk to me a little bit about what's on your mind in terms of the 2019 NFL draft. Yeah, so I went into this draft, as we uh, talked about in our previous episode, uh, where we covered the entire draft, what I anticipated what would happen, what I thought would happen. I thought the Giants were not going to pick a quarterback, because... Everything Dave Gettleman said, they're not going to reach. They're not going to make a force a pick for a position. You know, it seemed like they were content with re-signing Eli Manning, which they did, and letting them play out this season and have a complete and utter rebuild in efforts to get a quarterback in 2020. Mm-hmm. I wanted them to pick some building blocks for the future, some things that they absolutely needed, like a pass rush, offensive tackle. Those were two major, major areas of need that they did not address. So for me, I'm watching this draft play out, and I'm thinking to myself, this is working out exactly the way I thought it was. So we see Kyler Murray go off the board one. We see Nick Bosa, then Quinnen Williams. That was exactly what we thought. Now the Raiders threw a curveball, Clellan Farrell from Clemson. So to me, now I'm thinking, oh my God, yes, yes. This means now either Devin White, or Josh Allen is going to fall to the Giants. Well, the Bucks picked Devin White, and there the Giants are with the sixth pick with Josh Allen, the outside linebacker hybrid DN from Kentucky, who Kentucky. was unanimously graded and viewed as uh, a top five pick, could potentially be a Hall of Fame football player for all we know. But regardless, he was an impact pass rusher that was available and fell to lap at six. And I'm sitting there like, yes, 
we just got Josh Allen. And then they dropped the bomb that we picked Daniel fucking Jones, <laughs> quarterback from Duke. Now, let me give you a little information on Daniel Jones. Tell, tell me about Daniel. Come on. I did not watch a single minute of film on Daniel Jones. So I don't have a lot to go on from my personal evaluations and accolades. What I do have is a lot of draft experts and a lot of people whose job it is to evaluate talent. And the vast majority of them had him at like 40, 50, 60th, even 99th best football player in this draft. Okay. Mel Kuyper had him at 23, which is on the highest I've seen him on anyone's evaluation boards. Todd McShay had him at 59th. NFL.com had him at 62nd. And then one scout who remained anonymous, which I don't like, says Daniel Jones is pedestrian at best, likely a career backup. Now, I don't hate Daniel Jones on the Giants. I don't, we talked about it on the last one. I, I, I expected because a rumor came out that there is one team that had Daniel Jones as their highest rated quarterback. And we joked, of course, it's the Giants. Of yeah. course it is because there's the connection to David Cutcliffe, who was the coach for uh, Eli and Peyton. So if, if that was me and then we said the Giants have picked 17, maybe they reach and pick Daniel Jones at 17. Maybe they trade up into the end of the first round and come back and take Daniel Jones then. But to take him at six, which to me, the problem is the perceived value of pick six and the player that was available at pick six that they passed on. That to me is the biggest problem. Now, I think Daniel Jones could potentially be a fine quarterback, but we don't know that. And everyone else that was paid to evaluate has totally disagreed with this pick. So that was my biggest beef with why they did it, where they did it. Okay, so I'm going to ask you two questions because I'm your therapist and I'm not allowed to give you my opinion. So question number one, what was your reaction to Dave Gettleman saying that he knew of two other NFL teams that would have taken Jones prior to the 17th pick. Yeah, he's full of shit. And again, that is my <laughs> that is my going back to me not trusting a word Dave Gettleman knows because Dave Gettleman also said that people were like, oh, why don't you just take him at 17? He said, well, you don't know if, if the, he's going to be around at 17. You also don't know if he's going to be if two other teams are going to take him before then. You know why? Because every team around this draft period puts out disinformation. Their job at that point of the draft is to make you confused so you have no idea what they're going to do. You think some team calls up Dave Gettleman and was like, hey, Dave, guess what? At pick 12, we're going to take Daniel Jones? No fucking way. So he didn't know that. He's just trying to rationalize this pick to Giants fans being like, oh, I know there was two other teams that were going to pick. Well, there weren't. And and on top of this, God, my voice just got higher. That's how fucking mad I am. <laughs> they're sitting there at pick 17. So if you actually thought there was two other teams that were going to pick – Daniel Jones before you did at pick 17 with all of your other draft collateral that you've got, you could fucking move up and get him then. So then you would have had Josh Allen and you would have got your guy. So nothing about this draft made any sense to me from what Dave Gettleman said or did. Okay. So at 17, they ended up going with Dexter Lawrence, a defensive tackle out of Clemson. Talk to me a little bit about what your reaction was to him. I was also upset with that because Ooh. Dexter Lawrence is a very good player. I actually do think he is going to have an impact on this team, but it's not a position that they needed. They needed pass rush, and Dexter Lawrence is not known for his pass rush. They drafted at 17 this premium pick that they traded Odell fucking Beckham for to pick a defensive tackle, a run-stuffing, two-down defensive tackle. Now, that's not a position they need. They have B.J. Hill. They have Dalvin Tomlinson. They had a pretty solid D-tackle uh, setup on their team. There is zero pass rush. 
They traded JPP. They traded Olivier Vernon. They've got no one coming off the edge. Now, Brian Burns, uh, the outside linebacker from Florida State, got picked right before them, so it's possible they had him on their board. But at 17, don't reach for a pick that you don't need. You need so many other things. So you could have picked an offensive tackle, of which there was a shit ton that went uh, pretty quickly after. So like Andre Dillard went to uh, Philly. You know, Titus Howard went. So all these, all these really big uh, impactful offensive tackles, even into the second round, Juwan Taylor fell there, Cody Allen or Cody Ford fell there. So there is offensive tackles to be had. There is pass rush to be had. There is everything to be had. And we added a defensive tackle that we didn't need. Now, again, I think Dexter Lawrence is going to be a fine player, but a couple of you know experts whose job it is to evaluate these players says that his ceiling, meaning if he has a, a good of career as he potentially can, he's going to be Damon Harrison. Well, newsflash, the Giants fucking traded Damon Harrison last year. <laughs> so why trade Damon Harrison to pick a guy who potentially could be Damon Harrison? And you know, you want to say you want to shed salary cap? Sure, that's fine. But when you trade from a position where you have a surplus of talent, the idea is you trade from that surplus to fill positions of need. They didn't do that. They actually traded from positions of surplus and replaced him with people that play the exact same fucking position. Yeah, I think the the Dexter Lawrence pick was interesting too, just because the NFL has gotten to be more of a passing league. I think you only see more of that. So you can anticipate that defensive tackles, you know, the run stuffing ones who specialize there would become lesser and lesser important. Uh, and, you know, the defensive ends, the the people who can put pressure on the quarterback would be more important in the future. Yeah. And the guy like Josh Allen does that. And even still, like they passed up on other D tackles in that position, like Ed Oliver, who's actually a pass rushing D tackle, you know, Christian Wilkins went 13. So these guys came off the board and, you know, there is a model in the NFL where you have pass rushing D tackles like Aaron Donald on the Rams is doing this, but Dexter Lawrence isn't that guy. So to me, that pick made no sense to me. So now we made two picks of the top 17 that just make no sense to me. And to get back to it, then I'm like, I gave up. I was like, that's it. I'm done. This is off. I, I shot off the TV, which I had never do in the draft. I stopped watching it. This is this is the first round you did this. Yes. I okay. never do this. I've okay. never shut off the first round. I had it. I was like, that's it. I'm done. I was so mad. My girlfriend's like, I've never seen you like that before. I was like, can you please just give me some space so that I can digest this? <laughs> <laughs> so then I'm like, all right, fuck it. I'm a, I'm a junkie. I'm an addict. I'm a sadist apparently. So I turn the TV back on. And what do I see? The Giants trade back up into the first round. And to me, I was actually really excited at this point because there was a number of offensive tackles still available. And the Giants, as we just went over, had passed on several offensive linemen, specifically tackles. So at pick 30, they trade up and there was still on the board Juwan Taylor, who a lot of people had a top 10 pick, but he fell. You had uh, Cody Ford from Oklahoma, both sitting there, and a guy named Dalton Risner from Kansas State, all still there as tackles. So in my head, I'm like, all right, they're trading up to pick a tackle. At least they did something smart here, and they're going to build their offensive line, which has been shitty, around this new quote-unquote franchise quarterback that they drafted. And well, what, did what they happened? Do? <laughs> they picked a corner. They picked DeAndre Baker from Georgia. Now, very similar to Dexter Lawrence. I think DeAndre Baker is a very good player. I think he's going to have a very nice career. But for a team that is now, quote-unquote, in a rebuild, you don't need a corner that you're now trading up for to be this third first-round pick. 
especially in a draft that was loaded with corners, especially when the Giants walked away from this draft with three different corners that they drafted. Wow. So there was a ton of value. Excuse me, there was a ton of talent still left there. So they didn't have to trade up. There's no corners have been taken off the board yet. Greedy Williams was still available. I mean, there is a lot of corners that had not been picked yet. So the Giants didn't have to trade from 37 to 30 to come get this guy. And in doing so, they traded a second, a fourth, and a fifth round pick to come get this corner. Now, if DeAndre Baker fell to them and they picked him in the second round, I don't think I would hate it, but they gave up so much of this draft collateral, which again goes back to Daniel Jones, that I don't think Dave Gettleman understands the value of draft picks and reaches for a corner that is is a fine player, but like this team is not ready for a cornerback that's going to make a difference. So it just made no sense to me. So in return, they went from 37th pick to 30th pick. Did they get any other draft picks or did they just simply lose to move up seven spots? They lost their second, fourth, and fifth round picks. So in order to move up, so they, they, they swapped. So, they, so in order to get to 30, they gave up pick number 36, I think it was. Uh, so Seattle took pick 36 for the Giants to go to 30. And then on top of that, the Giants had to give a fourth and a fifth to actually make Seattle want to make that trade. Oh, wow. Yeah, so they gave up a ton for that. So then you leave the first round with a quarterback who – by all accounts, is uh, a project who most people had as the fourth or fifth highest rated quarterback on the board, a defensive tackle who is good but is not a pass rusher, and a, a corner who's also good but is not a position that, or it is a position that you needed, but it, it just didn't make sense given the fact that they traded up for him. Okay, so as your therapist, did you see anything good coming out of the New York Giants draft in 2019? Honestly, after the first round, no. I, I really did not because the next day, when all of Giants land is freaking the fuck out, <laughs> Dave Gettleman comes out and tries to defend this pick. And I would like to say for just a little bit that I can at least understand Dave Gettleman's rationale. He said they had Daniel Jones as their highest rated quarterback, and he was sitting there at pick six. He didn't want to lose the quarterback, so he made the pick. I don't disagree with that line of thinking. However, it is asinine to say that Daniel Jones was the highest-rated quarterback. It's just insane. So I'm trying to process this. Now the pick is in. The Giants have him. I'm no longer trying to be like, what the fuck happened? It's like, well, maybe maybe they know something we don't know. Maybe Daniel Jones is this stud that's going to come out and light up the skies and potentially have a, a career similar to Eli Manning's. Let's hope that that happens. But then Dave, fucking lion Dave, comes out and says, well, We don't even know if Daniel's going to play next year. Hell, he might sit and do the Aaron Rodgers model and sit for three years behind Eli Manning. Yep. And that just set me off because now you wasted your number six pick on a guy who was not supposed to be the six pick, who's now not going to see the field for possibly two to three years. And this gets me back to not trusting Dave Gettleman because I don't think that's true. I honestly don't think that's going to happen. So why would he say that? Is it just to piss the fans off even more? Like, he kind of reminds me of Daniel Caffey, or not Daniel Caffey. Um, shit, why can't I remember this guy's name? Lieutenant Kendrick in A Few Good Men. He's like, I made the pick, and that's that. And he just was messing with the fans. He eats breakfast 3,000 yards away from 4,000 Cubans who were trained to kill him. That's what I think he did. So I hate that move. But getting back to the Giants, so they come back. They had no second-round pick thanks to their trade. But they picked O'Shane Zimenez from uh, Old Dominion, which I think is good. Then they picked Julian Love, another corner, who was a good pick as well. So they made some good moves kind of later in the draft. But man, oh man, you know, when they 
completely did this rebuild, you're thinking, all right, I can at least buy into this. Like, it's time to start over. We traded Beckham on to the future. And then this draft happens, and it just is head-scratching. And it really makes you think that the Giants have no direction and no clue what they want to do. You know, it was interesting. I saw on Twitter that there were some other optional starting lineups that the New York Giants could have had if they had chosen kind of different scenario. And, you know, that one included uh, the New York Jets quarterback, uh, what, Sam, Sam Darnold. Darnold. Yep. Uh, they would still have Beckham, Evan Ingram as the tight end. Uh, who's the receiver that they just signed from, I think it was... Golden uh, Tate. Golden Tate, you yep. know, first at Detroit, then at Philly. So well, to me, okay. they could have had a bunch of skilled positions. Now, granted, their running back would not have been Saquon Barkley, so they would have had a hold there. But there definitely could have been some other quality players. Uh, they would have still had Nate Soldier on the line, like a bunch of other talent around, and they could have been working with that. But now it just nothing makes sense because you you think that they had a plan. So last year when they picked Saquon Barkley, you know, I thought that was the right pick. I thought that Eli maybe had a little bit left and that they could make some signings around him and make a run. That was incredibly wrong. But let's just recap what, what happened over that period of time. So they draft Saquon Barkley. They sign Odell Beckham to this massive contract extension. They sign Nate Solder to this giant contract. They trade for Alec Olatree, who's got a big contract, and they make this run. Halfway through the year, when it realizes that the wheels are falling off and the Giants just suck, they decided that, hey, it's time to blow this up. We need to rebuild. Fine. So what do they do? They trade Eli Apple on October 23rd for a fourth-round pick and a seventh-round pick. The next day, they trade Damon Harrison for a fifth-round pick. So clearly everyone's saying they're loading up on picks. They're going to now rebuild. Then in the offseason, this is when it gets really bizarre. They decide to let Landon Collins just go. Instead of franchise tagging him and potentially trading him and getting value back, they just let him go and he signs with the Redskins of all teams. The next fucking day, they trade Odell Beckham and Olivier Vernon for Kevin Zeitler, Jabril Peppers, the 17th pick, and a third round pick. Now, at this point, in my head, I'm like, this is a full rebuild. It is just going to be lights out. Who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. They've got a bunch of draft picks, so it took a while to process the Odell trade, but I'm like, all right. We've got all this capital. It's time to rebuild. They go on and replace Eli Apple, Damon Harrison, Landon Collins with Jabril Peppers, Dexter Lawrence, and DeAndre Baker in the draft. Why do that? Why would you trade these three positions just to draft them the next next season? It makes no sense. And then the Odell Beckham thing is even more strange because they signed this massive contract just to trade him eight months later. So now... They're on the hook for this massive dead contract hit, so their salary cap is screwed anyway. Didn't they give him a bunch of bonus money or like money that they had to pay totally up front? Yep. So he's locked in. He's got like a like I don't even know. It's like an eighteen million dollar salary hit for next year that Giants have to pay. Yikes! It just made no sense. So everything about the Giants right now makes zero sense to me, and I, I honestly don't think that. Dave Gettleman has any idea what he wants to do with this team and what the direction is because again, this year now. We're looking at the prospect of Daniel Jones not playing at all. They didn't do enough to add talent to really compete with Eli under center. They downgraded at receiver. And now you're looking at the prospect where you're you're not going to be bad enough to be in the top five to pick a potential franchise quarterback, which they're not going to do. And you, just, you, you don't know what's going to happen. And now you've wasted two years of Saquon Barkley. And I really hate to think this, but it's sure the shit is shaping up that Saquon is going to have a career very similar to Barry Sanders, where you've got this electric, unbelievable running back, and he's on a team that sucks, and you basically waste his entire career. 
yeah, you got to think that his window is going to be closing, especially he's in his prime of his career. He's only going to get battered and battered the more he runs. Yeah, and you would have thought that they pick a lineman to help him too. You got your franchise quarterback and you got a young stud running back. Build your fucking offensive line. Okay, so before I go to my final question, is there anything else that you'd like to reflect on? I just think it's going to be a long couple of years. Now, I did not like the picks, as you just heard. However, you have to hope that they pan out. Like, my ideal situation is that Daniel Jones is so much better than we all thought he was, than every draft expert knows. And about four or five games into the season, the wheels are coming off. We throw in Daniel Jones. You got Saquon. And who knows, all of a sudden, this offense starts clicking. That would be the best-case scenario. I'm kind of hoping that the Giants follow, and I can't believe this, the Cleveland Browns. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Who picked their quarterback last year in Baker Mayfield. He sat the first, like, four games, and then he came in and – you know what? He he produced. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Daniel Jones is going to be quite as talented as Baker Mayfield, but I fucking hope so. Who knows? So well, We will certainly be rooting for them, and we'll be reflecting with you about how your season is going. Yeah. Yeah. It's dark days. Dark days. And my last parting thought here. Please. I, I was around for dark years on the New York Giants. Granted, once we drafted Eli... We went on some good seasons, won the Super Bowl a couple times. It was very good. I think people are going to actually miss um, – they're going to miss those years that people are going to take for granted what we had in Eli. But I was around for some dark years as well, okay? After Phil Sims, we had Dave Brown. And Dave Brown is a Duke quarterback who wore number 17, and I just can't get that image <laughs> out of my head that Daniel Jones is the next Dave Brown. I hope not. I Let's hope, hope it's not true, yeah. But – those years where it was like him and Kent Graham and Danny Cannell, it was just like rough, uh, the rough glory sweating. years, the glory years. <laughs> and I really hope that we're not heading that way where we're going to have another, like if, if they're wrong, if Daniel Jones is a pedestrian quarterback and Gettleman was completely wrong, this franchise is now set back another five, eight years. So let's hope, let's hope that Daniel Jones can play because otherwise he's going to be gone and Gettleman's going to be gone real quick. All right, as my final question for you as your therapist, we're going to touch on the NFL win totals that have come out recently. So the New York Giants, I've seen five wins. I've seen five and a half wins. Are you taking the over or under for five and five and a half? I think it's got to be under. Okay. I mean, I I don't see a way that they're going to be better than last year. And uh, yeah, under, under. I think they're going to be four and 12. Four and 12. Okay. We will see if that comes to fruition. <laughs> Dark days, Giants fans. Dark days. Just for the record, the only other team that's as bad or worse than them is the Cardinals, who are also at five or five and a half, and the Dolphins, who have, I'm seeing at four and a half. So. Yeah, but the Cardinals at least got Kyler Murray, so there's excitement there. The True. Dolphins traded for Josh Rosen, and even if he sucks, they still are, could potentially draft uh, you know, two or one of these really high-rated quarterbacks next year. So there's, yeah, and- there's hope for them. And they also have Ryan Fitzpatrick who can somehow, you know, reimagine his career, you know, every couple of years so that he could actually be a not a bad fill-in. Yeah. So who knows? All right. Thanks, Melfi. I, I needed that. I hope you feel better. I mean, I still don't, but hey, it felt good to get that <laughs> off my chest. <laughs> Anytime. You don't agree that you had a panic attack. How are you feeling now? Good. Fine. Back at work. Oh, no! 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 They did not take Daniel Jones! 
fucking kidding me? No motherfucking way! No way! All right, let's transition to the Kentucky Derby, which is happening this Saturday. And as the saying goes, it's the most exciting two minutes in sports. Do you buy that? Uh, I, I do buy it. I think it's the fastest two minutes in sports, isn't it? Well, I think it's it's both. It's oh, either the that, most exciting yeah. or the fastest. Yep. That's six and one half dozen. So, you know, um, uh, it's hard to say yes to that because for about a minute and a half, it's just some horses running around. So the, the <laughs> final stretch is awesome. I yeah. love the final stretch. But really, let's be honest. People love the Derby because of all the stuff that goes on around the Derby. Now, I've been to the Derby. We actually went for a bachelor party. It was unbelievable. I would recommend people go once if you like gambling, especially on the horses. Just the spectacle of everything, the hats, the girls in the dresses, guys are in their seersucker suits. Seersucker shoots. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is something to see, though. Um, but, I, you know, for me, it, it, is, it is what it is. Okay, so we're uh, coming in pretty ignorant of any of these horses. We haven't had an opportunity to do much research. We've just kind of looked at some of the odds and looked at names. But we've decided to just man up and pick each pick a horse, and we'll see if uh, our horse does better than the other ones. Yeah, we got a couple of really good uh, names as well. So one that I thought about picking but I, I didn't is Game Winner. Like. Ooh. That just hearing the announcers and down the stretch they come. It's game winner. Like that'd be cool. <laughs> and not to be outdone by win, win, win. The win, win, win would be good too. Imagine after they win, win, win wins. <laughs> it's a win by win, win, win. <laughs> okay, so but you are not going with either of those two horses. Tell me no. about your horse. Uh, again, I am picking this base strictly on name. I haven't done any research. I haven't done any kind of background on these guys, but I want to give you a little peek behind my, uh, drafts or my, my gambling strategies when it comes to the Derby. Yes, please. I don't like to bet the favorite because that's not fun. No, not fun. However, I do like to bet a horse that's kind of in that like second tier, like maybe the second or third Closest or highest favorite, somewhere in that range. I like to pick them. I'm doing a combination of that and the name. I am picking Maximum Security to Ooh. win the Kentucky Derby. Okay. So even though you're picking a second tier horse, kind of who's a little lower in odds, do you think that you'd feel safer if you did like the win play show of some somewhere in the top three, or are you still going number one? Uh, I do love those, especially uh, the the trifectas, especially the trifecta box. Let me know. Educate. I don't know what that is. Yeah, I'll educate on. the gamblers out there. So if you were to bet the trifecta, that means you're picking three horses that finish in the exact order of one, two, three. When you add in a trifecta box, that means your three horses can finish in any order as long as it's in the top three. So mm. let's say you picked win, 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 game winner, and maximum security. One, two, three. If I bet it just as a trifecta, they've got to finish in that order. When I box it, they, any scenario can happen as long as those three in the top uh, the top three spots. So, um, higher odds, obviously. Yeah. Or, or, you know, excuse me, you get paid less if you box it as opposed right, to uh, right. do a trifecta, but, uh, it's, it's one that I love doing and it's a sucker bet, but I love doing it. Well, the, the odds still have to be pretty high. Cause essentially you're trying to do like a parlay yep. of three, those three horses in the top three. So the odds would have to be, you know, a pretty good payoff for whatever you're putting down. Oh yeah. They typically are. And obviously they're higher depending on the odds of the horse, but, yep. um, I did one. So at the Kentucky Derby, or no, not at Saratoga, I should say. A different Ooh, race. Okay. Um, I had a, a trifecta box. I think I put a $5 bet down, and I won like, I think it was like 150 bucks. That's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty good. 
Okay, so for my horse, I know absolutely nothing about any of these horses. Purely based on name, just like you, I am going with Omaha Beach. So I like that a little nod World to the War military. II, yeah, a little World War II reference uh, invasion of uh, you know, uh, I guess not really invasion, but our, getting our beachhead on France. Uh, I'm going to take that horse. That that horse is currently at plus five fifty, which uh, represents about a 15% chance of winning and your horse who's at plus a thousand represents about a 9% chance of winning. Okay. So, uh, you know, I have no idea anything about it, but I will be rooting for Omaha beach on Saturday. I also hope that it's not raining. I know some people, uh, love seeing the horses in the slop, but something about turning that TV on and you see a nice day down at Churchill downs and the people are all out the pageantry, the scenery, the mint juleps are going down like water. It just works. That's why I like the Kentucky Derby. It's everything that is surrounding the Derby. It's pretty cool. I'm not sure I'll be watching it, but I'll be uh, checking the results. Uh, <laughs> that's why the model. Sure. That's why the model is so good at what the model does. You are not impacted by your heart, by what your eyes see. You are a numbers guy, and that's why you are the model on Double Down Trent. No bias. Getting ready for college football season already, too. <laughs> I love it. Do you want to give the the listeners a little peek? Uh, you know, or a little teaser of what you're doing in the lab. Oh, I, uh, sure. So I'm actually starting to pull some new stats. I found a new data source. I have, uh, scores and stats from the last, uh, I think it's probably 15 or 16 football seasons. So we have everything from drive data to play by play data to score data to whatever, uh, even altitude. So I'll be trying to be put that all together. And that's the, what you'll be uh, going up against when we do man versus model come the 2019 season. I'm really going to have to step my game up. So is my dog. She heard that. She's not happy. That was her defending her owner, her human. So we're ready. <laughs> She's worried. She's worried. Uh, all right, bud. That was fun. Thanks for talking me off the ledge. Um, looking forward to seeing what happens on the Derby. And uh, I guess let's go Giants. Go Omaha Beach. <laughs> all right, guys. Episode 29. Oh, my fucking God. Oh, my fuck. you got to be fucking kidding me. You've got to be fucking kidding me. How did they take Daniel Jones? How did they fucking take Daniel Jones? The New York Giants just took Daniel Jones over Josh Allen. They took Daniel Jones over Josh Allen and Dwayne Haskins. How the fuck does this happen? Gentlemen's got, gentlemen, gentlemen should be fired. I'm sorry. This is inexcusable. How do you take Daniel fucking Jones over Josh Allen?